The subject of the, this evening's talk is in the form of a question. It's, do I have to work it out? One might say, to put it rather um, in simple terms, that it's only in the last few generations of Westerners that there has been, at a practical level, the discovery of the existence of the mind. When I, when I say that, that in the last um, few centuries, and particularly of and fairly obviously in the period around Freud and, and not long before, there was some serious and sustained inquiry taking place into the phenomena of mind, into the phenomena of mental processes, and out of some of those discoveries which were, which were made at that time, there was a recognition, a real recognition, and perhaps for the first time on a more pervasive level, a real recognition that the mind can be worked with, that it can be looked at, that exploration and inquiry can be made of the mind. And we have seen in the last few generations, in Western society, um, a tremendous upsurge of interest in the mind, mind including feelings and emotions and thoughts and plans and the past and the present. Tremendous upsurge of interest, growing number of people wishing to work with the mind, to look at what's happening to me, my mental life, my personal life, and with it, of course, a tremendous... Um, outpouring of literature, informative and valuable and insightful, and one which in a very, I would say, in a very real and genuine way contributes to our resources here in the West of Western wisdom. There can be, rather unfortunately, I, I, I would say with regard to this, to, to assume that um, because there's often a certain conceit with us Westerners, I notice, um, to assume that um, we found the mind. You know, it was in the West that the insights have, have come. But those of us who have had this uh, exposure, and including um, quite a number of you, to the East and Eastern practices, and this group situation is one which is a, a model, a framework, which has been used for centuries, upon centuries, um, know and recognize and, more importantly, experience the insights and the approaches to working with the mind which originated in the East before Western civilization was even heard of 3,000 years, 3, years ago, before the, before the Buddha. And there's been this continuity of practices and traditions and what is, I think, very helpful in our Western setting is there is this bridging, this coming together more and more. Now, in saying that, one of the divisions which has been made, and this is where the talk is now fitting in, and so the talk will rather be this evening a little bit more on the psychological level, one of the divisions which has been made in the West 
is a simple one and it's an expedient one and one which I would say often for us goes rather unquestioned and that's the division of the conscious and the unconscious. And this division seems very self-evident. Here is my conscious mind. I'm conscious of, if you haven't got bored already, I'm conscious of you and you're speaking. I'm uh, conscious of speaking to you, you're listening. Um, um, possibly, and in that um, um, interactivity, oh, here's this conscious mind, and one senses that beneath, shall we say, using it in geographical terms, beneath this uh, conscious mind, there's this incredible ocean of unconscious stuff, and this unconscious ocean, at times, parts of it arise in my conscious mind, affect my conscious mind, and generally make my life a hassle. This is how we tend to look at it. And sometimes we see that our conscious mind does have a certain capacity to be able to accommodate those things which are occurring, the old stuff we say, the past, the, the um, suppressions and the and the blocks, and the fears, and the agitations, and so forth. Sometimes we say, yes, my conscious mind is stable and steady enough that it can accommodate all this. And sometimes we find it very, very difficult, and we're really troubled by these old patterns which shoot through and make our life unhappy, and sometimes influent and affect very unsatisfactorily the, the, the environment and other people. And so we, in that we begin to look, to some degree, here's the conscious mind, here's the unconscious mind. In that experience, when we experience that unconscious mind, and I'm talking obviously about the more dark forces, the more unsatisfactory factors of the unconscious mind, sometimes we realise what a restricted way of life we're living under. Living in this way, and as a result, we seek to open our mind out more. We, we, we seek to explore it. We seek to see what is the past in its relationship to the present. And that has taken you and me and our, others of our friends in different ways to some form of exploration. I want to find out who I am. I want to find out what the totality of my mind is, I want to find out where it's taking me, where, where it's leading me, where I'm leading with it. In that, that form of expression, maybe meditation, looking at the present, seeing what the present is, seeing the past in connection with it, it may be therapy and counselling and different workshops and so forth. The East with its, I would say, tremendous number of insights, psychological and spiritual, based on the practice of men and women, past and present, to my knowledge, doesn't have a division of conscious and unconscious. To my knowledge, I don't know any word in the Sanskrit, which is the primary language of uh, spiritual and psychological insights, or in the Pali, a primary Buddhist language, where these two concepts appear. Oh, 
Oh. Now, what are we going to do with that one? One seems very self-evident. The other is based, too, on self-evident, without that division, and based by men and women who, who developed and sustained tremendous amount of practice and real observation, out of which insight, own real insight flowers and, emer and emerges, and yet never sought to make this division. Mm, I wonder, I wonder why. Then there's the other factor to it. It doesn't get any e e easier, you know. One, one in, as, as you and I often find in life, we, we take one step and, and the spirit of inquiry is such a, uh, a joy and a vitality and one feels one's finally understood something and one thinks, God, I'm just beginning here. This is... This is Everything seems so clear and so obvious, and you take a step and you think, well, is that the step? Is that, is that the, the right position, what, whatever? And one begins to realize, maybe that's also just a viewpoint which I have. And, and so this inquiry and, and investigation into life, it never ends. And usually, actually, when it does end, the person usually ends up as a guru. It's a pity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, let's carry on. Um, <laughs> which reminds can I slip in a story? I like slipping. Eh? Sto stories in retreats are the commercials. Um, one, of, one of the um, Zen um, teachers apparently has, um, li li likes, to, likes to collect um, um, wooden um, Buddha images. And he had a number of them apparently um, in, in his room. And uh, one of the, the, the meditators, uh, students, um, um, came, came to him and uh, said to him, You've got, you know, you're collecting all these wooden Buddha images. Um, he said, why didn't you go and meet a real live Buddha? And he said, and the student said, there's one over in Oregon. Let's see. And, uh, and I thought the, the, the Zen teacher's response was, uh, Quite beautiful. Um, he, he said that, um, he said, look, there are lots of um, um, living Buddhas everywhere, but good wooden Buddhas are hard to find. <laughs> anyway. So in this exploration and in um, making in inquiry and, and, and finding, out, finding out what that means, that sometimes, of course, we get these varying me messages and these varying messages come from different um, sources and, and, and based on a certain insight and, and understanding. And I think it's important in that that you and I explore in our life what seems pertinent and valuable for us. Now, in that, there's a strong Eastern message, which also comes. And this Eastern message, and to some extent we notice it too in the West and in the Western, uh, uh, Western world, is the message that you and I have to work everything out. 
that, that in other words, there is the past, the fact of your past, all, all that you've done in the past, all those experiences, and they have got to be worked through. Some way or other, you have to work them through. And, and therefore, anything which you can do in the present, you know, more extreme, from catharsis, to counselling, to meditation, to bring all of that out, that has to be all worked out, and when it's all worked out, one can speak of liberation. And this is a very common standpoint in Eastern spiritual thought. There's the past, I have to work out all the past, and the past is called, in the East, karma. Karma meaning the influence of the past in the present. So all this karma, all this past has got to be worked out. And then one stops and says, all right, well, this is, this is the general, general position. This is the message which is conveyed to us. And we're told, here's the karma to be worked out, or here are all these samskaras which come up, and it's all got to be worked out. But then one looks at that and thinks, well, blimey. Because one's got to take the whole package, which is, it's not only in this lifetime. You know, it's not, it's not enough that you, you, you and I go back to when we have the screaming abdabs at our birth. <laughs> it, it has to start before that. And once one opens the door up to one past life, blimey. <laughs> you know, one just, I mean, it's bad enough with one life, but you look down the, the corridor of time and it, it, it's, they say it's beginningless. I mean, what chance have you and I got? You know, might as well pack up our bags and go home and back to the telly. <laughs> I'm a heretic. Um, so there is this, there is this past s situation, according to the tradition, going back into infinite time, and one is trying to work, work it all out. And one sees, in, I think in very human, realistic terms, that the only word suitable for this is, it's impossible. <laughs> and yet, and yet, and yet, there is the actuality of our daily life and the experience of our, of our daily life. Here is the fact that we have a relationship, conscious and unconscious, and here we have that we don't know to what degree and to what extent in time the unconscious material, using that language, influences and affects our present. And if, if, we, if something intuitively says, is saying to you and to saying to me in our, in our practice, this way of looking I have to work all of this out. Somehow, one's looked at that and says, that doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't feel, feel right. It seems, how can anybody discover the liberation of being and the joy of it? Then perhaps our, our relationship to our mind in its totality has to change. We have to look at it, things differently. What does that mean? Well, how, how, how can we look at, look at things in a, in, a, in a different way? In this, in this giving of attention to the present, that itself is a significant step in itself. 
And what I mean by that is, and I think one, again, one must be realistic. Realistic is you know yourself, you have to look at yourself, I've got to look at myself. Some people, maybe some people in this room, do have a sufficient degree and intensity of unresolved stuff in the past, old accumulations which are not sorted out, which requires, this is where the psychological factor comes in, which requires by virtue of necessity that you have to look, or I have to look, more carefully at our past to see what's been happening, what's my personal history here, which is influencing my present to such a degree that it's too painful and too unsatisfactory. In other words, that, that, that sometimes we have to give real care and attention to the continuity of experience and what that has meant so that you, I, we get some insight into the past, into the present, as it moves into the present. And that's where therapy, our Western wisdom, can be very, very important. And sometimes there has been the attempt, and there still is in the East, in its great wisdom, but there is still an attempt, as some of us found, we would go up to, say, the teacher, and we'd say, God, I'm, I'm feeling so much uh, fear, my mind is so troubled, I'm so unsettled, it's not just going, going away. And the teacher would say, Ah, oh, mighty ying, meaning everything's impermanent, or just watch it, or just let it go, and a kind of oversimplified view of mental psychological pain. And sometimes when we are experiencing a lot of it in life, we need to explore, either through ourselves or in context with another person, what's the history of this? Understanding, shall we say, in the old language, that flow of the karma. Where, the, where one sees, again, self-knowledge is always a factor here, where you see in your practice that things are coming up from the past, but one is working with it, one is developing a capacity to look at it more carefully, to let go, to accommodate, where you sense in your life, personal life, meditation life, the ability to accommodate a little bit more, and th that means to be more in touch with the present, you don't have to keep going to the past. Past is not so important for you. The living present becomes more essential. Not to create a, uh, a philosophy of life of some eternal now and all those funny ideas, but rather just to see what the actuality is of the living present. Now that means, and this is where, this, this is where it becomes more important now, that means that one is beginning to feel in life more integrated. And I would say this, the, con the concept from the experience of integration is extraordinarily significant. I can't overemphasize it to you. And just as, I'll try to explain a bit more what I, what I mean now, just as you and I, we speak of Wisdom and love in life is integration, the integration of people in this world who have been victimized and separated, the, in, the integration of mind with the body, the, 
the in integration of ourselves into life. Just as the theme of integration is a very valid spiritual theme for life, we also have to look at this with regard to ourself, our present and our past. And what I mean by that is, when you and I are beginning to develop a greater sense of integration in life, not that our, everything is hunky-dory and all perfect, but when we get a, more of a sense of our integration in life, the very concept, is very important, the very concept and the very implications of the concept of working anything out truly and honestly begin to fade out of one's mind. The very concept of things are coming up which are threatening, you know, things are coming up and, and with the implication of coming out of my unconscious and that kind of formulation of language based on certain forms of experience begin rather noticeably to get reduced. Not that it's all flowing beautifully, I'm not wanting to create any, any ideal for us. And there's, a feel, there's more a sense, an intuitive sense, that the past and the present are not divided. It's very, please, difficult sometimes, especially if you've just come here, arrived here. The past and the present are not divided in the way that we keep thinking. But what our mind has done, often through the frequency of an ingrained idea, like conscious and unconscious, we've made a division. We've made two separate independent realities. One potentially which keeps threatening the other. The unconscious, the division, as a reality, keeps threatening the present. When that gets a charge to it, people sometimes start fearing what will come up. And that fear, when that is occurring, that fear is often far worse than any movement of mind because that fear goes straight on to any movement of the mind. So, in, in other, other words, here we, we're connecting with the present, emphasizing the present more and more, and we just see that within the context of our living situation, things are occurring in the present. Events are are arising in the present. And with the ar arising of those events, we deal with those events. And in our connection with that, again and again, there's a sense of harmony with what is occurring. And what seems, what does in fact seem to happen in, in that, that when we used to look at the past and all that was there in the past, it seems to lose the power element, 
that we have attributed to it. And the present itself being its, its actuality, the, 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 the direct immediacy and the experience of that through you and I reconnecting with the present more and more, gains such a registration, because life is here and nowhere else for you and me, gains such a registration in the proportion that that's registering with us, in touch with it, in equal proportion does the past begin to lose its sense of being powerful or dominating with regard to our life. As it were, it begins to fade from one's perspective. Now it's hard to follow in with these um, kind, kind of talks. That in the terms of the, the past, situ past situation, one sees what is occurring as the arising of something in the present moment. And that arising in the present, one develops an attunement with it again and again. That tends, in its own way, it tends to... The, the changing over factor which tends to take place is the sense inside of oneself, when you and I are, through our mindfulness and through being more conscious, we, we get so much more receptive to the present moment that the present moment seems so much greater than it is. And sometimes in just an ordinary daily life experience one, one, one senses and feels that sometimes when you walk out in the evening and you look up at the night sky and you, you, you feel the, the wind and you see the trees and the touch of the, the cold night, night air and one has a feeling and a sense for the expansiveness of things. And, 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 and it's a real, real sense, it's not a thought, it's you, you, you feel it, your bones, your cells. You, you feel that. And within the, se the sense of that, so many of the things which seem so big and so magnified and so troublesome, somehow they're not like they seem. And that's because the present is, is we've permitted, we've, we've given the opportunity for the present to reach us and for ourselves to reach the present. And when that's really, truly center of our center of our lives these old ideas of unconscious and it's like a big dark well and working all this stuff out from it endless past and so forth seems like old ideas and so and the sense of one's relationship to the past because one's not denying it or saying well it doesn't exist it's not there and and entering into more funny ideas but rather one looks at the past and one senses more because of the expansiveness of the living present more and a sense of integration with the past so it's not working any not so much the working of things out but rather there is a past one feels a certain integration with that, an integration with the present, 
And in that integration, one might say, the spiritual is truly present. But it goes even further than that. That is not the stopping point for life. That is not the, re the resting point for a person engages, who is engaging into inquiry and sustaining a, a, an inquiry into life. Inquiry must, must lead into eternity. It must bring one to eternity. Eternity must come to one engaged in inquiry. And in our looking, and, uh, and in our making inquiry, as we begin to harmonize with the past, and remember, we're speaking of the past, we're speaking of the, of the infinite past, not just of a few experiences, but that long, long past which has affected and influenced our brain cells, that long history of humanity and before which has brought you and I to this present position. That, that's not speculating and talking about rebirth, I'm talking about the influence of time which brings you and I and the way you and I are to what to here. And in, in that finding that and discovering the beauty of this sense of integration, the fading away of working things out with the past and with the present and therefore with the future. In that, wherein, wherein is the great difference anymore between yesterday, today and tomorrow? Wherein is there any great difference between yesteryear, this year and next year? If integration is the primary experience, Surely it must be such that all the apparent differences, big differences, which we grasp onto with regard to time, also must fade. And in, and in that sustained inner inquiry and, and love of life and, and observation which, which accompanies it, that integration is the open door into an eternal seeing in which past, present and future are all with us in eternity. May all beings See into the present. May all beings live in an integrated way. May all beings abide expansively. <laughs>